Darkness falls across the land. The fingering hour is close at hand. In crawls the bears in search of clunge. A hairy spam wallet in which to plunge. And movies beloved shall be bummed. Without remorse, nostalgia is thumbed. And listener thieves will have no luck. As the basic tales get a fuck. The whiskey will flow on each review. As classic films are watched anew. Week one has a house, a gimp and a gun. It's like the Bazzies abode minus the bum fun. Week two has a haunting from a burial ground. A Tobe Steve Spiel Hooper production all round. Week three is a portrait of a serial killer. The Baz can't wait to consume this thriller. Week four is a king tale of Salem's lot. The Baz could be divorced for the Blu-ray he's bought. And to close out the series on Duncan's hysteria, while listens to the Baz sodomize Hesperia. So strip off, bend over, and assume the position. As the Baz christens your new October tradition. Remember, put down the jizz-proof polythene. And welcome, dear listeners, to Basil This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Basilween 2018 episode number 3. That's right, we are passing the halfway mark in this series. A couple of big movies have already come and gone by the wayside. A little bit of People Under the Stairs in week 1. A little bit of Polargeist in week 2. And... There ain't no fucking flies on this movie, baby. Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, will be discussed on this episode. However, before we get into that, before we start talking about movies and all that shit, allow me to introduce the star of this series. He is, of course, the man. He is the myth. He is the legend. He is the Baz. Hola. Welcome to the sexy, sexy sounds of Bazoween. <laughs> Is it wrong that I got a semi there? Nope. No, that's okay then. That's <laughs> just the reaction I was hoping for. Well, you you, well, you achieved uh, semi-turgidity. Um, I imagine if there'd been another <laughs> sentence there, we would have got a full-blown throbber. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we are back. This is episode number three, and you chose for this week... A little movie called Henry, 
portrait of a serial killer before we obviously go and take our break and listen to shit and then come back and then talk about the movie um, just kind of set this one up for me what is it about this movie knowing fine well that there is a fucking a, a Grand Canyon chasm full of horror movies that you've still to see what is it about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer that has commanded the attention to put out week number three I don't know. It's weird. I have been slightly obsessed with this film for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure where I heard about it, but I became aware of it at some point in the past year or two. Say, yeah. Um, I had looked. I was checking streaming services and that, and none of them were showing it, kind of thing. Um, I think I might kind of subconsciously equated it to things like Poughkeepsie like uh, Megan is Missing and possibly like uh, Under the Mask like Mm -hmm. a kind of amalgam of them I don't think what I had in my head was really what the film is but this (laughs) is what I had going on and then just back in January there I was through or January, February time I was through in Edinburgh I had a FOP voucher that my daughter had given me and I was roaming about um, actually trying to find that Cold Skin movie that oh, you yeah. and, and Scott and Liam had seen uh, at the Glasgow Horror Fest thing. I was trying to find that, and I think I had £10 worth of stuff in my hands, and I turned around to go to the counter, and there was a big stand with about 80 copies of Henry Portrait, a serial, ki- portrait of a serial killer on Blu-ray for like a fiver. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right, well, I'm fucking having that. These can all go back. Um, <laughs> and then I've kind of sat on it for a while because when we started discussing excuse me, what we were going to do for um, Halloween this year, I thought that was the first one on my list actually basically because I had it and it was like burning a hole in my pocket so to speak to get watched um, so yeah, so I'm not quite sure why, but I've just been dying to see this film for ages and as I say I have actually owned it for quite a while Yeah, this is a, this is one that is very familiar to me, this is uh, one of those ones that I saw at a completely inappropriate age Um I must have come across Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer maybe in 94. Right. So, do the math, 13, 14 when I saw this movie. Um, Jeez. Yeah, yeah, this is one that kind of stuck with me quite a bit. Uh, as you can imagine, you probably shouldn't have been seeing it at that time. Plus, it was a grainy VHS rip. This is one of these ones that my brother had, uh, his friends had passed around. You know, someone had rented it from the, the video store and pirate copied it. And then probably pirate copied it maybe once or twice again and passed it around. Uh, so this was circulating about the same time as I saw things like Faces of Death. Um, and Was that the one with people dying? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, Faces yeah. of Death's like an amalgamation of fake footage and real footage. Right. So what they did was they, they juxtaposed like clips of like very, very, very good at the time special effects with real scenes of people dying. So things that have been captured on camera, war scenes, you know, stuff like this. The, the kind of stuff that would make up what was classed as like a Mondo movie back in the day. Um, and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was circling then. Uh, about the same time as I was seeing that, things like Last House on the Left for the first time. So I've always just equated it as one of those dangerous movies. Yeah. Um, which doesn't necessarily do credit to it at all. I think, there's, and we'll get into it, but there's, I think there's a lot to to sit back and actually marvel about a movie like this but yeah it's one that kind of sticks with me like constantly me and Blockley did it 
for podcasts under the stairs. I want to say about two years ago, and we we did it alongside uh, what I class as like the British equivalent, which is a movie called Tony. Um, what Tony? Yeah, it's a I've really weird movie. If I can if I can source a copy, I'm going to send it to you. Um, it's set in like a, a London council estate, but it's like a modern movie, and it's just fucking weird. It's just a really uncomfortable, weird, creepy little watch about a guy that lives in a flat and you know one of these high-rise flats in London yeah, yeah. and he just kind of lures people in and then kind of Henry's them uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird fucking movie it's a really it's an excellent movie but it's a really really weird movie um, and you know me and Blockley found out that we very much had the same opinion and had seen the movie about the same time so this was just what people were doing in the early 90s <laughs> We're listening to hardcore rave and passing around copies of Henry Potter of a serial killer. <laughs> um, it's a wonder, like anything. Well, it's actually no surprise that the economy fucking crumbled in 2008 because when all these people were getting important jobs in the finance district. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I was really keen, like, as soon as you mentioned you wanted, like, well, you'd bought this one, and we ping, I pinged that message to you. I was like, that this is this to me is the perfect movie for a Basaween. Because uh-huh. this is one that people are aware of and have seen, and if they've not seen it, they are aware of it. They certainly are aware of it. It is a heavy hitter. I mean, it really is um, in terms of its stature within the genre, whether you like it or not. Um, people understand the importance of a movie like uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which really preempts the boom of serial killers in movies. I, like this movie is before. And I think it's the same. It was made the same year as Manhunter, uh, which is obviously the the Hannibal Lecter fucking yeah. tooth fairy movie. It's made the same year, and Manhunter's credited as the movie which makes serial killers a commodity um, for movie makers in the nineties when you pivot horror into more kind of real life stuff and psychological thrillers and all the rest. I would argue. I mean, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is delayed five years before it's released in the UK. It didn't come out in the UK till ninety one. Um, right. It didn't get a proper release really at all in the States either. It, it, it played some film festivals and then really found difficulty finding distribution. It was the early 90s that it came out and it's lumped in with movies, you know, of that time frame, not taking into account that it was well ahead of its time. Well ahead of its time. So, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. To say I'm excited would be an understatement. Plus, we have, once again, a lot of testimonials from listeners to get through on this episode, Baz. Uh, the peeps have spoken, and I'm interested to see how well their opinions marry up with yours. But before we take our first break, the floor is yours as always. Uh, at, the, at the halfway mark, any perils of wisdom to put out there to the listeners, or are you just ready to get into the guts of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm raring to go here, sir. Um, I hope everybody's enjoying Bazoween this year. It's quite different from our previous Basby Halloween behemoths that we used mm-hmm. to put out. These shows are a bit shorter, a bit snappier. I hope you're all digging it, folks. I hope you're liking the, the choices of film that I'm doing. Um, and I am just basically bowing in reverence to everybody doing this 31 days because I am struggling to get through these movies when I'm watching them <laughs> because I'm so fucking tired. And you are all doing one a day. It takes me like three <laughs> days to watch this. Honestly, not even fucking joking. And I recently got my copy of Salem's Lot through, which is the next show, and I've seen that that film's about two and a half hours long. Yeah, that's a cut version as well. What the F, man? I think that's a cut version. What the F? Yeah, it's a long movie. 
It's a lot. It's a TV yeah, movie. Appar- it apparently, it was a TV show, basically. Yeah. That they kind of condensed into a movie. Yeah, it was released as a movie in the UK, but in the States, it was released as a TV movie. And I think it was two parts. So it was like yeah. two film length yeah. um, episodes of TV. God um, damn it. I'm I know, I know. Just that, fucking man. nuts. And they gave it to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy who was cocked at his tits. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's give him like four hours of TV. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, to God, man. Oh, the fucking 70s were a riot, man. Absolute fucking riot. Um, right. Well, yeah, I can I can feedback that the initial... To put things into context of when we're recording this, this is technically the first week of October. Um, so the first episode is already dropped and people are digging the fuck out of the people under the stairs. There was a very funny uh, joke from our buddy Jamie from Alawa who basically said it's the first time he's ever heard a podcast mention Armitage Shanks. Um... And I was like, you'll literally only get that if you're in the UK. So there we go. Armitage <laughs> Shanks, motherfucker. <laughs> Boom! Right. Uh, we're going to take a break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear another song selected by the Baz aptly uh, keeping in tune with the themes of this episode. We're then going to hear the trailer for Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986. When we return, we're discussing that movie right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies sometimes we even talk about cameron mitchell and his movies i am richard who are you i am brad the guy that's not richard or jeffrey or simon that's right we have four people and we always talk at once except to each other jeffrey lives up north simon lives across the world richard lives in penis alabama Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. To the facts. I'm tense and nervous and I 
can't relax Can't sleep cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire
shoulders. Plug it in. Did you really kill your mama? What? Did you really kill your mama? I guess I did. She must have treated you real bad. She was a whore. You used to dance naked? Sure, all the time around town. Otis. Best little naked dancer you ever saw. You never. You telling me you never killed anybody before? I ain't saying that. Open your eyes, Otis. Look at the world. It's either you or them. You know what I mean. Do that, Otis. She's your sister. I feel like I know you. Like, like I've known you for a long time. I feel like I've known you forever and ever. It's like the blood droppings from a deer you've shot. And all they gotta do is follow those droppings, and uh, pretty soon they're gonna find that deer. I interrupted it. <laughs> Welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for this third movie. It's part of Baselween 2018. This is Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer from 1986. Like I mentioned earlier on, delayed in the UK till 1991. The movie was written and directed by John McNaughton. Uh, the movie stars uh, Mary Demas, a very young, fresh-faced Michael Rooker, uh, Anne Baratoli, Elizabeth Caden, Ted Caden, Denise Sullivan, Anita Ors, Megan Ors, uh, Sherry Jones, and other folk. Let's not let's not spend too much time on that. Uh, the synopsis for this one is: Henry, a drifter, commits a series of brutal murders, supposedly operating with impunity. Uh, this is a movie, Baz, that some listeners have given me one-liners for. Those one-liners might look a bit like Tony Casey's, which says, Deeply disturbing as fuck, four and a half out of five. Like Glenn Brewers, who said, an, an almost as gross retelling of the real story of Henry Lee Lucas, 4.5 stars out of five. Adam Claver said, eh, sobering, unnerving, sobering, unnerving and dark, Portrait is the single most effective serial killer I've ever seen, five out of five. Uh, and Robert Alvarez says, A film full of murder, mayhem and stomach-churning cringe. Henry's a movie that never fails to sink me deep into my seat with wild eyes. Four out of five. Now, there are some more. We will return to them uh, probably at the end. We've got enough to come back and do some more at the end before we find your grade. Um, but yeah, so uh, relatively well graded considering everyone seems to have the same opinion of it that is deeply disturbing and gross um let's see what you made of it did you build it up too much in your psyche did you not come in with the right reverence for a movie like this or is it just not up to the scratch of the baz baz tell the ladies and gents and dear listeners out there what you made of henry portrait of a serial killer here we go bitches 
Oh, here we Time go. To stop that grinning, drop that linen. <laughs> About to get wrist deep. Oh, no. Wrist deep. Wrist deep in Henry. Oh no. Woo, here we go. Yeah, so, been a long time coming, Henry boy. Been a long time coming. Um, first couple of thoughts. Didn't realise, I actually thought this film, initially I thought it was newer. Oh, right. Possibly the kind of late 90s. Then I found out it was earlier and put it at about 1981. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I don't know why. Yep. And I've now found out it came out in about 86. Um, <laughs> I can't make my mind up whether it's quite a date. It is a dated looking film. Yep. But one that still stands up, probably just due to the nature of the content of it kind of thing, but we'll come back to that at the end. Um, there's a bit of pre-blurb at the start. Um, I am watching, I watched the Studio Canal Blu-ray slash DVD combo edition. Nice. Um, and for once, Studio Canal have managed to write the name of the film the right way on the spine of the movie. So I am refraining from sending sarin gas to their offices. You bought yourself a little reprieve there, Studio Canal. You hate that. You hate that so much. I do. They also have a habit of doing this nasty little half-width case. It just makes me want to vom. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm on Levan Rouge the night is making me suddenly. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, right. So yeah, watching the Studio Canal. I watched the Blu-ray, but I've actually watched the Blu-ray and the DVD. Bizarrely, oh, right. they're both almost identical. Um, <laughs> there is a, pl- a pre-blurb as I've called it here, uh, that comes up just before the film kicks in, uh, and it says that this film is loosely based on the confessions of someone called Henry, and then basically says he later recanted them. I wasn't sure if this was one of these things, you know, like you get at the start of all of these found footage, you know, what you're about to see really happened. Ah, right, right, I've got you, yeah. But, since having seen the film and looked into it a little bit, apparently it's based on a serial killer called Henry Lee Lucas, who yeah. I think one of our listeners mentioned in their one-liners earlier there. Um, not familiar with him at all, I've never heard of him. And oh, apparently a... the, character of, yeah. the character of Otis who comes into this movie is also based on somebody else called Otis. Yeah. That... Uh, Otis Tool uh, and Henry Lee Lucas claimed uh, between the two of them they murdered, I think it was in excess of 200 people. I think right. um, realistically they think he may have murdered under 10 but the the police he was a drifter, so the police found that if they like gave him alcohol and cigarettes and kind of massaged his ego, he would pretty much claim to God knows how many unsolved murders, um, uh. with very little detail. Most of the detail being fed to him, so they closed loads of cases up and down America, attributing to him, um, which well, he couldn't get convictions on. So yeah, right. he's, he's a fucking ugly, fucking weird. Squint eye looking bastard. Is he's a, a really, really one uh, one of the more sinister kind of serial killery people um, who was into a little bit of uh, paedophilia and stuff like that as well. Not not a nice guy. Not a suave son of a bitch like Dammer then. No, no, he didn't. He didn't have. He didn't have that cool groove of Jeffrey Dahmer. Fair dues. It's all in the blonde <laughs> locks, mate. The Aryan Nordic the look. Um, let's not go back to that. That was the previous review. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. Let's not go doing let's that. Let's not bring that, that through again. Um, 
Interestingly, when I was trying to come up with some music for this show, I was kind of googling songs of serial killers and stuff like that. Um, and there are a number of um, songs about Henry Lee Lucas, one of which is called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which I think might be based on the movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, a lot of them were kind of like real heavy grind core kind of stuff, and so uh, nothing was applicable. My, my own choice was far, far superior. Yes, I love the song anyway. that you picked. They've all heard it. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that was the pre-blurb. There is some intro music, and biz- it nearly made me turn it off. The intro music in this movie reminds me so much of Necromantic that I've re- <laughs> I, I reached for the remote to switch it off. You feel me? You get that yourself? Yeah. We have at the same yeah. time. Eighty-six, eighty-seven was Necromantic, so the music's fucking uncannily like it started to play, and I'm like. That. Why do I want to kick my telly? <laughs> where, where does that feeling come from? Why Mike do I thunder. think I'm watching Necromantic? Damn you, Mike Thunder! <laughs> anyway, thankfully this film is not Necromantic. This film is also not in widescreen, weirdly. Mm. What's that about? Um, I would say it's probably just... I mean, this is cheaply made. This movie was made... Like this is what you the the kind of eighties equivalent of an indie film. According to IMDb, it was made for about a hundred thousand dollars, uh, which is cheap back then. Yeah, yeah. cheap Fair by play. today's Fair standards play. as well, mind you. But cheap back then. Yeah, I just thought it was quite surprising. It's not very often you see a movie shot in the old kind of TV ratio type thing. Anywho, it opens with a dead chick lying in some long grass. Yay. Uh, tragically her tits are covered by her arm <laughs> so they remain unviewed to this day you say tragically I say tastefully well fucking tomato tomato <laughs> you were gonna say you know. <laughs> racist patriot whatever you know what I mean uh, <laughs> um <laughs> That's oh, a jaunty tip of the hat to a uh, good old President Bush. Yep. He's currently fucking turning up at conventions to laugh and point fingers at rape victims. Yep. You think that piece of ginger shit couldn't get any worse? You, d- you did say Bush. Uh, I think you meant Trump, but I will say... Sorry, I do mean Trump. Both anyway. I do mean... I'm just thinking of Bush because of the dead girl lying in the long grass. <laughs> it, it's lodged in there. I'm thinking... Of, uh, I mean Trump. Yeah. I mean Trump. Um, right, yeah, so breast-covered dead lady lying in the grass then cuts to our eponymous figurehead of this movie, Henry he's finishing up in a diner um, he pays the lady flops for a little bit and leaves um, and it, it was actually, it was just at the start here uh, Michael Rooker appears on the cover of my DVD and mm-hmm. I it's weird. I knew fine well. I was like, oh, is this an actor guy? Do you know what I mean? I recognised him straight away. He's not changed a great deal. Maybe got a little no. bit more hair in this movie, but that's about it. But I didn't put two and two together who he actually was. Um, and the name didn't mean anything to me, Michael Rooker. But he is, of course, probably nowadays most famously known for playing Meryl, Daryl's brother in The Walking Dead, and also Wanda in A Fish Called Wanda. Would you on, please? <laughs> Oh, actually, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. I'm sorry. Yondu. 
Not one that Yondu <laughs> in the Guardians of the Galaxy, which did not feature John Cleese. Okay, oh, sorry, my mistake, peace. folks. My mistake. So funny to see that version. Oh, I'd so love that. Money to see a fish called Wanda with Michael Rooker in a fish tank. Yeah, absolutely. Or with that blue skin and mohawk. That is been amazing. <laughs> Um, right, anyway, back to this movie we're going to be on out, right, dead chick lying in the grass Henry has his dinner pays the girl, you kind of assume she's going to end up butchered and raped she doesn't, the next thing it cuts to a, I think the Americans call them mom and pop stores, we would call it a corner shop in this country uh-huh. um, and the old couple that own the place have been butchered, they're lying dead on the floor you don't see anything at all just the aftermath of it cuts back to Henry He's cruising about in his beat-up shit heap of a car. Cuts to a hotel room. We've got ourselves a dead hooker. One tata in full view. So the film's oh, yes. ramping up already. Um, <laughs> the, the dead prostitute has a Coke bottle embedded in her face. Um, yeah. Which was quite a cool kill. But again, you don't see any form of kill. Mm-hmm. Um, we're then back to him driving about again. And then finally, we cut to a dead girl lying face down in a kind of riverbank. Um, you don't see any of these kills. Uh, you do hear little kind of audio clips of the murder over the top of it, just to set the scene. And it was quite interesting that the one scene where you see Henry interacting with somebody who is a female, because he appears to, initially appears to target females more, um, and she remains unmolested. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't very sure about this opening scene at first but see on my second watch I thought that's a great opening scene Yep. just yep. the way it jumps about it juxtaposes things the, the dead girl in the river um, it's quite cool, it starts with like a little plastic bottle floating down the river kind of making you think it's just trash and rubbish, all that's getting dumped in and polluting the river and stuff and then it just floats by this body just lying face down in it, some of the imagery and it's really fucking good Really good, like. Um, so, yeah, I guess a big thumbs up on second view. Nice. Um, Henry then parks up outside a mall, a shopping mall, um, and he's clearly kind of scoping for his next victim. He settles on this kind of semi-rich-looking kind of housewife-type female, follows her home in the car. She's clearly blind because she doesn't see Henry following her about three feet behind all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we see her husband comes out to greet her and he just drives off again um, and the whole kind of opening scene ends with him picking up this hitchhiker girl uh, who has a guitar with her she's trying to hitch into the city and he's like yeah jump in um, yeah a very very good opening scene actually on, on retrospect thinking back um it kind of, you feel almost like you half know his character by the end of this and you're barely five minutes into the movie. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Um, I really, really like it. Really good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then cuts to a blonde chick who we find out is called Becky. We've not seen her yet. Um, she's waiting at like an airport or maybe a bus station. Uh, our brother Otis turns up to collect her, not to be confused with that fucking lunatic from all the Rob Zombie movies. Quite a different Otis, although he is a bit of a cunt as well. Um, Becky's got kind of bruises on her face. 
Uh, we kind of find out she's left her husband called Leroy. I'm going to resist the urge to throw in do a racist African-American comment here. Don't do it. In case Americans don't get this and it does sound wildly racist, which it is, um, Leroy was a big name among the kind of Afro-Caribbean community in London. Um, and when I was growing up, anybody that was called Leroy, you automatically assumed was black. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the same in the States. I wish I hadn't started talking about this. <laughs> um, Otis basically says, I warned you about Leroy, I told you he was a prick. And in fairness, Otis seems to be a prick as well, so he should know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, there is talk of a daughter who is called Lurleen, which is a name I have only heard of once before in an issue of Preacher, the comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lurleen was a waitress who was nearly raped by a truck driver until Arseface kills him. Jesus. <laughs> uh, but it is the most redneck name for a lady in the world ever. But basically, Lurleen is staying with Otis and Becky's mum um, while she's kind of moving on. I'm going to help you state right at the start here. You're probably not going to get too many laughs in this review. It's no, not I... a film that lends itself to humour in any great way, it has to be said. No. No, it's, Sorry, it's dark. Carry. It's dark as fuck. Yes, as it's dark AF. I believe is the term. <laughs> the kids um, would say, Buzz. Indeed, indeed. Um, sorry for my old-time slurp of red wine there that caused that pregnant pause. You probably all thought there was a fucking hammer blow of a punchline coming in there, <laughs> and it wasn't. I was just trying not to choke. Um. <laughs> Later on, they're all back at Leroy's apartment. There's a bit of a shite chat about jobs. Um, looks like Becky used to be a stripper. Things mm-hmm. are looking up. Henry walks in. Things are looking down. Um, <laughs> turns out he, he's Leroy's roommate. Um, and he then he gives Otis... It's not Leroy's roommate at all. He's Otis's roommate. Otis's Damn roommate. my drunken note-taking. <laughs> Henry is Otis's roommate. That they're not at Leroy's apartment at all, right? I'm going to start this bit again, right? Yeah. Let's just go back to Lurleen, the daughter, who's staying with the mum. Later on, they're at Otis's apartment. Leroy's mm. not in this film at all. No. <laughs> There's a bit of chat about jobs. Looks like Becky used to be a stripper. Things are on the up. Henry walks in. Things are on the down. <laughs> Turns out, Henry is Otis's roommate. Let's just forget about Leroy. <laughs> just put him out of mind focus on Otis god damn right. oh fuck that's amazing <laughs> Henry gives Otis the hitchhiker's guitar as like a gift so he's clearly mm. off her as well which I think we all knew was coming in fairness um, yeah. there's talk about Henry moving to California um, and then he says I've got to head out I've got some work spraying houses or something like that I think he's like spraying for bugs like I think he's a pest control guy type thing Mm -hmm. Uh, because then we see him spraying down a kitchen with this kind of rather old fashioned looking spraying equipment looks more like what I would say as a fire extinguisher in this country Um, we then see him with his boss 
Uh, he basically says there's no any work at the moment, but I'll call you as soon as any comes in. Uh, and tells him to keep the sprayer device thing. Quite why I'd be like, fuck off, mate, take it home. I don't want it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not walking home with this. Stick it in your big ass car. Rick, call me. <laughs> um, <laughs> he then though goes to the that housewife that he followed home earlier on he then goes to her place mm-hmm. goes up to the door there's a bit of chat at the door and she lets him in looks like he said you know I'm going door to door spraying houses for bugs if you you know and kind of talks his way into the house we then jump forward in time a little bit. We see her dead on a couch. She's been strangled. Looks like kind of electrical cables or something is used. Um, she also appears to be wearing lingerie. Ooh. So uh, Henry's a man after the Baz's heart. <laughs> oh, God. Not that rape and kill women, it has to be said, but I'm just oh, right, a fan I'm of the old lingerie. <laughs> yeah. I, felt, I felt it needed it there, Dunk. As I played it back in my head, I thought, you need to clarify that, Baz. <laughs> That makes you sound like a rapist serial killer. This could be taken another way. Yeah, let's backtrack a bit here. Um, she's also got, uh, like, um, it looks like cigar burns or something. Like yep. on her face and torso. Again, really, it's just like one kind of panning image of this woman dead on the couch. Really fucking effective. Like, they worked with what they had. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And these cigar burn things really added a kind of extra element to me. Like it adds in that kind of, right, he tortured her, he didn't just look like and kill her, he's clearly had a bit of a time to himself doing this, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, very, very fucking powerful scene, really. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Otis is working at like a, for the Americans we'll call it a gas station it's a petrol station but we'll call it a gas station <laughs> um, this kind of high school jock type character pulls up um, appears to be looking to buy some drugs um, and they've clearly done this before they have a kind of dealer drug buying jock relationship thing going on um, and there's, there's a bit of fucking nonsense chat and they arrange to meet the next day um, Becky's preparing a fish for dinner if that has any bearing on anything um, I had a notice are chatting about Henry who's not there um, Otis tells her that he met him in prison so it appears that both the guys have been inside um, mm-hmm. and he says that Henry was inside for killing his mother with a baseball bat uh, later all three of them have dinner it's the fish no surprise to Andy. Um, Otis heads out to do an errand for somebody. Uh, Henry and Becky are kind of playing cards. She's asking Henry about his family, about his dad and that. Um, then right out the fucking blue, she basically tells him about being molested by her own dad as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Which is fucking uncool, I've got to say. I'm kind of going, they might bone here. <laughs> Will I have a wee wank? Well, oh. <laughs> is there a little turgidity coming on there and then she comes away with this well that's that fucking game over isn't it <laughs> god damn you Becky I was just starting to look by your ridiculous 80s hair and your woolen sweater there then but nope you killed it with the daddy poking story oh, the daddy. Oh, um, just killed, killed the goddamn mood 
Uh, <laughs> she then asks him basically outright, uh, did you kill your mum? Right, so you met this guy like about an hour ago. You've cooked him a fish. And now you basically go and like, by the way, my father raped me and did you kill your mum? You really need to work on your small talk, hen. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Really? How's the bug spraying business going? You know what I mean? How do you keep your hair so curly, Henry? Fucking anything. You don't need to go, lad. You kill your mum. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, she does. Um. So he admits to it and says he stabs it, stabbed her. And he then says, she's like, oh, my brother said you killed her with a baseball bat. No, he's talking bollocks. Um, and he then starts to recount this story. Um kind of portrays his mum as being abusive like beating him forcing him to watch her have sex with people because yep. apparently unless you're cheating his dad he almost kind of holds his dad up in some kind of pedestal type thing says that she made him wear a dress so straight away it's kind of pointing towards the whole classic abused kid gone mental kind of scenario that we've seen like about a billion times in every mm-hmm. fucking serial killer film but then he says that he talks about shooting her and he has just like minutes earlier talked about stabbing her she kind of calls him out on it and he's like oh yeah yeah no no I, I stabbed her yeah you're right um, which I really it's like I say as he starts telling this story you're like that oh yeah right here we go yeah yeah you're abused by your mum well that's why you hate women oh she made you dress as a girl you know what I mean and then he fucks the story up and you're like right well did any of that happen are you just talking bollocks do you know what I mean are you some kind of victim here or are you just a nasty piece of shit that likes killing people and this kind of dichotomy is never answered at all no and again a really effective little trope in the movie yep the one overriding kind of feeling I had by the end of this movie is it just keeps you off balance all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't ever settle into this film like, right, I see where we're going now. Do you know what I mean? It's not the most wildly complex interweaving plot lines and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just little things like this. So you're like that, right, well, is he the kind of Norman Bates character or is he just fucking mental and lies about shit do you know what I mean and it's never answered and you never know and it just adds to the movie bizarrely mm-hmm. for me I, th- I think it was a really good kind of trope to throw in yeah yeah no I, to- I, to- I totally agree um, you can never really as as weird it's one of the things I've said to you multiple times about movies is like I like my I like my killers in movies to an extent to not really have too much explained because that's what terrifies me the, the fact that I don't understand why someone's doing something their motivation for doing it their background or anything like that the fact yeah. that it's just a person doing horrible things to me is infinitely more terrifying than trying to humanise them by you know if they're a serial killer they're a serial killer yeah they might have had the most fucking messed up disturbing childhood ever but you know they've done fucking horrible 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 things um, and you know the in part, they, they're playing into Henry Lee Lucas's upbringing. A lot of what they mentioned in there actually did happen to Lucas. Well, he claims anyway. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love the kind of context switch of how he kills something and then he's like, well, yeah, right, whatever. Um, and Rooker plays it brilliantly. Rooker, Rooker is yeah. like 
weirdly cold in this movie and it's it's is very unsettling to see him on screen because you get the feeling that even when he is kind of showing signs of happiness or glee and anything like that it's it's a facade it's like a mask it, it, very one dimensional in it and I actually yeah. mean that as a compliment I don't yeah. mean that as his act it is, I think Rooker is amazing in this I've got to say mm-hmm. but he just everything's played at the same level do you know what I mean whether yeah. he, it, it's any kind of sexual thing going on whether he's killing somebody whether he's fucking having a cigarette after eating a fish yeah. it, it, it's all very flat and kind of one dimensional and really unsettling do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah, really well played. I, I, I like what you're saying about the kind of, you, you like them to have that, not air of mystery, but that you don't know anything about them. Yeah. It's like with this film, they, they kind of cottoned on to that idea and said, right, we're actually going to work with that. Do you know what I mean? Rather than, right, well, we've not got time to give you a backstory for Michael Myers, so we'll just fucking roll it and you don't really need to know what happened kind of thing. It's like the makers of this film identified that as something they could use to unsettle and scare people and yeah. kind of took that forward which I think is really clever plus I, I mean the time period as well this is like I say this is on the cusp of when this is an experimental movie in that it's covering real crimes done by a real fucking person um, you know who said all these things it was prominent in the minds of Americans um, mm. and it's done in a way which, like, it's later on that you start to get loads of serial killer movies where let's find out about the backstory of the killer and let's talk about this yeah. and that and all that. Yeah, so those things become... Serial killer. Yeah, these these are the things that become developed as time goes on. It's one of the reasons why, like, every now and again there's a serial killer movie that I really gravitate to. American Psycho is a great example of that. Seven is a great example of that, where you find out nothing about the killer. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know oh. anything. I know, know nothing about Patrick Bateman, which would justify what he does in that movie at all, or doesn't do, depending on your view on what happens in the movie, but uh, John Doe and Seven, you know nothing about him at all, except he's a killer, and that's what's terrifying, he's an unassuming little guy who happens to be a fucking killer, who does horrible horrible vicious things um, and seems to get off on it, and that to me is terrifying, it wasn't until we started getting, you know, this idea, well we need to explain why people do bad things, Um, so yeah, ex- oh, oh yeah, that's a great example of that. We, we to explain all these things out to the nth degree because the audiences won't, you know, we want audiences to know what's happening and all yeah. the rest and spell it. And that to me just takes away the, the, the horror of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And this movie is on the cutting edge of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Very clever, indeed. Yes. Um, next day, Becky's wandering about town. Um, trying to get a job she does she gets a job as a shampoo girl uh, later on at dinner she shows her brother and Henry um, this t- this I Love Chicago t-shirt that she bought um, oh it's lap put it on it's kind of fucking weird and weirdly she agrees to do it in front of them so I'll turn around go into the other room hen do you know what <laughs> you, it's literally right that you're standing at the door don't change your top in front of one, your brother, and two, a guy you met yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> she does. Otis keeps trying to catch a fucking swatch, which is really weird. Um, and then Otis then's like, can you go and get me a beer? He does this thing, get me a beer. Oh, I'm not asking you to clean the house. Just get me a beer. And then he tries to kiss her, which is fucking yeah. creepy. 
Mm. I don't know. In, incest is the line I just will not cross, Duncan. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> um, one step too far for the bad. It's a step too far. Even from an Argyle boy like me, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, but any, Henry stops him right away, really quite forcefully, quite violently. He's like, it's your sister fucking doing it. Very weird, unsettling scene. Mm-hmm. She then kind of tells them to go out for a beer. Like, I don't know, to try and kind of smooth things over or something. Um, Otis goes and puts on, like, his best disco dancing shirt. It's amazing. It's just so amazing, <laughs> that the shirt that he wears. Because he's just a total fucking white trash looking motherfucker, do you know what I mean? And he just comes back with a shirt that's bitching. Absolutely bitching. Um, there is definitely a lot back in the sexual tension going on between Becky and Henry, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry notices them driving about in the car. Ah, they pick themselves up a couple of hookers. <laughs> like they cut your jib, Henry boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> only kidding, they do not use prostitutes. Um, Henry's in the back of his car with one of them, um, trying to bone her, um, and then he basically starts and fucking strangles the girl. The other one in the front, we Otis freaks out, tries to run. Otis grabs and kind of restrains her and then Henry snaps her neck. I've never been big on the neck, neck snapping thing. Yeah. I really feel unless you're in the SAS or you're a fucking Navy SEAL, <laughs> you're not going to be able to do that. I'm sorry. You just aren't. Do you know what I mean? Possibly one of those mental Israeli Krav Maga fucking lunatics could do it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I really don't think. And it's the one, it's the only thing in this film that annoyed me. They do it all the time. Next minute, Otis is doing it. Otis looks like he weighs about seven stone. Do you know what I mean? Because nicotine and cancer is eating his body from the inside. <laughs> but yeah, he's quite happy. Crack, there we go, Hen, you're dead. Just snap your neck like a twig. Really, guys? No, sorry. Not having that. Um, anyway, Henry breaks the neck of this girl. So basically, two dead hookers in the car. Henry drags them out. Ditches them in the alley and they drive off. Otis is freaking out, understandably. Uh, Henry's basically like, you know nothing. Don't you know? Don't worry. Don't say anything. Don't worry. You know nothing. Um, and then he basically gives Otis some fries to eat, and Otis gets over the whole thing. <laughs> fries will do that to you. Yeah, apparently. So they must have been like really good ones. Um. <laughs> They have a bit of a chat later on and it's, it's clear then to Otis that Henry has done this before. I can't remember if it's at this point. There is talk of Otis having killed somebody before, which is maybe why he was in jail. You don't find mm-hmm. out anything about it. But it doesn't appear to be kind of random killings like this. Um, Otis gets annoyed and breaks the TV. Uh, so him and Henry got to get a new one. Uh, they go to visit a rotund balding man who uh, rather oddly sells electrical goods from a lock-up garage in the middle of the night. Uh, there's a lot of kind of haggling about TVs and shit. This guy offers them a camcorder as well, which does come in later on. Uh, but then he gets all mouthy with them. And Henry grabs, I think it was like a wee electrical probe or maybe a soldering iron or something. Starts yep. fucking stabbing him with it. Then fucks him in the head with a TV. <laughs> and Otis turns the TV on, electrocuting the fat dude. End of. So now yep. they've, they've, 
kind of killed together. I suppose it was really Otis that flicked the switch at the end, but they've kind of killed together, kind of thing. Um, Did we just become best friends? I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, remember the big fingering at nine. <laughs> um, so, apparently, I just do that voice all the time now. Um, <laughs> Back home, all three of them are kind of dancing about in front of the camcorder. Tragically, I do actually remember stuff like this happening around about that time. My friend Gay here's dad got a camcorder in the kind of mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being a total fanny in front of it, like New Year parties and stuff. Release the tapes. <laughs> Release there the is, tapes. There's a very famous one of me sitting there absolutely blazing drunk having drank a bottle of Thunderbird do you remember Thunderbird? oh Jesus Christ but uh, and, uh, yeah well that did happen later on that night but I basically <laughs> <clears throat> tanned this bottle gone round to Gay Hair's house he always had to go and sit with his mum for a wee bit of a blether and that before he went out and his dad had just got this camera and he was filming us all and I'm just sitting on the arm of the chair and I just <laughs> slowly lean forward further and further to the side before just falling clean off the sofa. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> so Mark will have that film somewhere. Uh, which better never see the fucking light of day. Release the tapes. Um, yeah, Becky and Henry start kind of kissing. Um, or she starts kind of kissing him, it's got to be said. Otis is filming it and seems weirdly aroused by it all. Um... Henry seems kind of uncomfortable with it, although he is taking part in it. Mm-hmm. There, there's a kind of weird asexuality about Henry that comes out the more it goes on, this movie yeah. kind of thing. Uh, Otis has a meeting with his parole officer, which is fuck all to do with anything. Um, he then goes to meet the high school jock guy from earlier to sell him the, the marijuana or whatever it is he's selling. Uh <laughs> They blaze up in the car um, and he tries to cop a wee feel of the guy who just fucking hooks him right in the mouth. Mm. <laughs> Which is uh, quite funny. Um, yeah, but this is, again, there's this weird kind of homosexuality about Otis's character, which we hadn't seen at all up until now, kind of thing. Yeah. In uh, real life, he was gay. Was he? So, oh, yes, right. he, 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 he apparently was, and he was a fucking giant as well, and he would purposely pick on straight men. Oh, so, right, right. Oof. Yes. No, no <laughs> thank you, sir. I said no means no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Let's move on quickly. Let's move on. Um, Moving on. <laughs> yeah, where are we now? Yeah. Uh, back home Otis is raging because he just tried to rape somebody and they punched him in the face um, he, he just he says he wants to kill somebody kind of off handedly at first but Henry's like well let's just go and kill some cunt then um, <laughs> but he's like you can't kill that wee guy because it'll lead back to you he's almost sort of, now at this point he's sort of trying to impart wisdom to, uh, to Otis um, so they go out for a ride they park up under an underpass, pretend the car's broken down. Henry flags down a passing motorist and oh, it shoots the guy. Just fucking blatant, just guns him down. Um, and he's much happier. So maybe there is something to be said for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
there's a weird bit next that they're kind of like in a in a park filming a guy getting mugged or something like that and again Henry's now teaching Otis about like MOs and you know don't form patterns always be random and then they can't connect anything kind of thing which probably ties into what you were saying earlier on there about the actual real life people yeah so he basically Henry's kind of teaching Otis to be a killer now Um says he'll need to move on soon and says to Otis if he wants to go with him kind of thing uh, they then go to a random house um, film cuts to inside the house Otis has got a hold of this woman like from behind type thing and he's pulling her down on top of him and basically kind of trying to molest and I'm assuming at some point rape her kind of thing yeah, Henry's yeah. filming it and egging him on it then pans down, you get the husband bound and hooded on the floor. Um, it's always a, it's a scenario I've seen in other films, and it's always one that really pangs with me quite badly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can, it, it's that helplessness that something's happening to your wife, and you have to sit there and be there while it happens, and you can't stop it. It really resonates with me in a kind of horrible way. I don't like it, yeah. but it's very effective, it's got to be said. Um, then a teenage boy I'm assuming like a son comes in so Henry chases him and catches him they fight Henry kills him Otis then does his magic karate snapping neck move thing kills the get the woman and then continues trying to molest her although really why am I surprised they're not the nicest of people do you know what I mean yeah uh, and Henry goes, he goes over and kills the husband kind of thing Um and then Otis seems intent on fucking this dead woman, but Henry stops him. Apparently he's got some moral compass somewhere. <laughs> uh, but then, back at the house, they're then watching the film like the, that they took in the house, kind of thing, and Otis is really fucking loving it, kind of thing, wants to watch it again in slow motion and all that kind of thing. It's just... but to me, is one of the most disturbing bits of the movie, is the fact that he rewinds it, and you know, he's, like, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I want to watch it again. Yeah, it, yeah. It's just terrific. It's quite throwaway, but very... You're like, oh, God. Yeah. feel quite kind of dirty after it, you know? Um, Becky kind of talks to her daughter on the phone for a bit. Um, Otis and Henry are driving about looking for victims or something. Filming people. Uh, the camera gets hit. Like, they're driving, the camera's out the window, it hits a car or something. It's broken. Otis is fucking raging. <laughs> Uh, so they have a bit of an argument Henry drops Otis off go to go and get a beer um, Henry goes home he's playing cards with Becky she talks about moving home and will he go with her and all this um, he says I'll need to think about it apparently Leroy the ex-husband's now in jail they go out for dinner uh, when they get back Otis is passed out in the chair with that kill video that they made on the telly basically Henry mm-hmm. manages to hide it for Becky. They then go into her room to bone, basically. Uh, but Henry's really uncomfortable with the whole thing. They're kind of making out, and then big fucking weird Otis comes in, drunk, interrupts them. Henry uses this as an excuse to kind of get away. It's like I say, there is this kind of asexuality about Henry by this point. Like, there's clearly a kind of blossoming romantic relationship for want of a better term between him and Becky but yeah. he is never comfortable with it you feel like he doesn't really want it in any way 
but just not equipped. Yeah, he's doing it for some reason, but doesn't really want it and stuff like that. He uses this as an excuse to go to buy cigarettes. Um, And then we see Otis asking Becky for a beer, which is what he did before he tried to kiss her the last time. The camera goes with Henry. You see him walk down the street, going to the store, buy cigarettes. Talks to a woman with a dog on the way home. She walks off and he kind of starts to go after her. And then changes his mind. And then we get into the kind of final scenes. He gets back home and basically Otis is raping Becky on the floor. Yeah. And it's really quite graphic, it's got to be said. Um, Not that you see an awful lot, but for one of a better term, they're kind of in the missionary position Mm -hmm. when he comes in. And... Like you can see what was going to thrust. It's a very graphic visual, even though you don't yeah. see any nudity in it, kind of thing. He's then kind of flipped around, he's behind her, and he's trying to choke her like, with a scarf or something. And hats off to the actress, you know, he's like pulled her back, like as if he were pulling on reins, and she's kind of arched her back right up in that. I mean, the two of them really went for it in this scene, it's got to be said. Um, mm-hmm. Very unpleasant kind of jarring it gets into your head kind of scene I'm still kind of thinking about it to be honest I only watched the film quite recently Um, Henry bursts in during this kicks the shit out of Otis Uh, but then Otis starts to get the better of him Um, so Becky grabs this metal comb and stabs him in the eye Mm -hmm. it's the one kind of effect the film falls down on. The, yeah, the, the, it's budgetary buzz. So yes, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, it means that there's a split second where you see Otis's head, but it's clearly a prosthetic head thing, and ju- just so you can see this, uh, like the sorry that noise is me demonstrating how this happens with my hands <laughs> in front of the microphone. I apologise, folks. You see the the comb go into his eye, but it's just yeah. for a split second. It's no great, but it's like you see, it was made in a shoestring. Um, so yeah she, she stabs him in the eye basically and then Henry goes after him takes the comb and kind of finishes him off Becky's all hysterical they've just killed her brother she wants to call the cops um, Henry's like oh you need to think and all this stuff and he drags the body off to the bathroom um, we see he's like trying to cut the body up basically there's this bit that you sent me in a gif earlier on where he puts <laughs> the head in a a bag in the sink. It's because I'm a morbid bastard and I can find yeah, these gifts I, I really quickly. I don't know where you find these fucking gifts from. <laughs> um, they then, they kind of leave the house later on um, and they've got like big suitcases and that which you've got to assume Otis's bodies in. Although the suitcases look remarkably light, as yes. to be said. And clean. Indeed. They drive to a bridge and they throw them over. Um, so they've kind of disposed of Otis they're then driving um, Henry says they need to keep moving talks about this sister who has a horse ranch and all this kind of stuff and again just from what you've seen earlier on you have no idea if what's coming out of his mouth is true or whether it's utter shite yeah. you've got to think it's probably shite but, um, mm-hmm. he says oh we can send for Lurleen when we get there kind of thing Um 
and she tells him that she loves him and he says yeah I guess I love you too <laughs> it's probably not what a girl wants to hear Henry every woman not wants to hear that yeah, yeah suppose I do as well <laughs> um, they check into a motel um, she's playing her guitar he's like oh, we should go to bed next morning we see him having a shave leaves the motel on his own drives off in the car and then we see him pulling up at the side of a highway he opens a boot and heaves out this suitcase um, which he leaves lying in a ditch basically at the side of the road and his the camera kind of pans away you see there's blood on it so you've got to assume Becky's in the suitcase um, and then we get the credits and more creepy necromantic like music <laughs> and that is the very unsettling and quite depressing Henry portrait of a serial killer Baz it is a movie it is a movie that Paul Kearney said, not seen it, probably scary, 2.5 stars at 5. Fucking Kearney, man, he killed me. Honestly. <laughs> uh, Ryan D. Nicklow said, Michael Rooker scared me to death in this movie, solid 4 out of 5. Andrew Valdez said, a disturbing, disturbingly realistic take on a serial killer. Rooker's performance has never played to appear sympathetic or even outlandishly monstrous, 4 out of 5. Court Syop said, the finest horror film of its theatrical release year. This film stains your soul the more you watch it. Five stars out of five. Max Falkingham says, I need a shower afterwards. Five stars out of five. Paul Kissick says, dark and affecting, anchored by a superb Michael Rooker performance. Four out of five. And Matt Wood said, so, so scary, I got my cock out. Four out of five stars. Um, Baz, uh, Sum up. What did, what was your thoughts on the movie overall then? Uh, with the glaring exception of Paul Kearney, it's quite hard to argue any of the stuff that was <laughs> said there. It's a, a very powerful, bleak film. Um, one of the one of the reviewers there used the word affecting, which I think is quite good. It, it, it will affect you, this film. You won't come away from it unscathed. Yeah. I didn't find it particularly frightening. I found it more unsettling and unpleasant kind of thing. In a way that I can appreciate, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Rooker's performance is phenomenal. And it, um, it really is. I can't say the same for Otis. I think that actor is hellish and would like to think he went on to star in nothing after this. Um, but Rooker's, Rooker's amazing in it. Um, yeah, I, I think there's almost a kind of is mundanity a word like a mundaneness yeah, about yeah. what they're doing. It's very day to day, and I think that's probably what's so frightening about it. I, because you know you're used to seeing serial killers, and their whole life revolves around the serial killing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I've spent four days in the woods plotting this, you know, building these contraptions to kill people and all this, do you know what I mean? And this is just two guys that, you know, get bored, get drunk, get annoyed at something, whatever, and go out and, and just kill people. And it's that kind of banality about the whole thing that's really quite jarring to, to yeah. see kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Um it didn't leave me feeling quite as disgusted with myself as some other films have. I think because I... 
there, there's elements in the filmmaking of this movie that are really it, it's a bit like the battery the kind of feelings I had towards that it's like you had nothing to work with mm-hmm. other than kind of just raw talent and some good ideas and you made something amazing with it whereas you know you give Michael Bay eight billion fucking dollars and he makes a Transformers <laughs> movie that makes you nauseous as you watch it kind of thing do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah um, and yeah it's just that I think that that's what stopped me hating this film because it's not a pleasant film yeah you know what I mean you do not feel good about yourself or anything really after it but the the kind of quality of the filmmaking makes you appreciate it as a a kind of piece of art do you know what I mean? Um, there's nothing really gratuitous in this movie, I don't think. There isn't? No, you're right. The, the most graphic thing is probably the rape scene at the end of Becky. Um, and it, it, it's not gratuitous. You don't see anything. The, the smuttiest bit is probably the dead hooker that you see in the opening scenes. Basically because uh-huh. she's wearing fishnets and she's got one of her tits hanging out. Um, and that, again was done to kind of set a scene and it's only there for 10-15 seconds you know what I mean um, yeah th- th- there's nothing gratuitous there's nothing done for cheap thrills they could have maybe done without the eye thing you know the stabbing in the eye they could have probably yeah. done that a different way without having to use the kind of prosthetic stuff and it would have probably worked better but it, it's a small criticism of the movie Um kind of hard to say you love this film do you know what I mean yeah in terms of a Netflix rating it's kind of hard to go yeah I love this film because you. you don't but it's it's hard not to show appreciation to this movie does that make sense yeah no it totally makes sense I, I, there are certain movies that do that to me that I think um, most recently that movie Mother that Darren Aronofsky put out I think is a tremendous piece of work I think it, you know on almost all levels is like a, like a tremendous piece of work it's not an enjoyable movie experience at all uh, uh-huh. so at the end of it I, I, I couldn't say I loved it but I respect the fuck out of what it does um, mm-hmm. I, but I can't say I love that movie because I, 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 I stuck with me for about four days after watching it and was just like it weighed on me like I was like carrying a backpack full of rocks um, so yeah that totally makes sense I totally get that and a movie like this shouldn't be you know you shouldn't finish this movie and that it's like coming back to the, the movie affects you and it should affect you because of the subject matter the way it's done and the like I say the, the stories of these serial killers um shouldn't ever really be glamorised because uh, yeah. they're horrible horrible people that pass off as ordinary people, uh, I think that's the, the, the mundanity that you were talking about in the movie um, which is a word by the way um, the mundanity that you're talking about in the movie is pretty much how these guys operate they're not yeah. like held up in some secret fucking cave somewhere planning yeah, their this next this is what I was victim. trying to get at kind of thing yeah it's yeah. not like they're a super criminal no you know what I mean no I think I think they did an IQ test on Henry Lee Lucas and he was you know 
borderline, you know, mentally handicapped in terms of uh. his intellect. He was not a smart man at all. Uh, but he travelled a lot, and police officers didn't talk to each other between departments, uh, between states, and as a result, he could kill lots of people, and um, in his opinion, he killed lots of people, uh, and they couldn't tie it together because the, the method changed, you know, all these different things. Um, but that doesn't mean he's a genius, it just means that there's faults in the system. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think to, to be honest, I think we're probably about of the same opinion on this movie. Uh, pretty much like identical actually uh, in that I think the effect when I saw it the first time with the eyeball uh, on a grainy VHS tape in like 1994 was horrific <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah like high def and all the rest now is cleaned up to such a stage that it's so clearly a puppet um, it, it's a bit difficult to, to kind of remove yourself from that it's one of those things that you kind of cringe a little bit the filmmaker never knew high definition was coming along and you know never knew that anything would go past VHS when he made the movie and yeah. it could be disguised quite well in that um, but yeah you you have Michael Rooker uh, turning in a, a, a career best performance uh, you have uh, John McNaughton who is really kind of not really known for much at this point. Probably his biggest movies, Wild Things, from uh, the late 90s. Uh, Kevin Bacon, Neve Campbell movie. He went on to do... I think well, that's probably... Bell, but... Yeah, it came out at the same time as Cruel Intentions. They're usually the two movies that are muddled up. Um, yeah. Was Wild Things and Cruel Intentions. Um, and, yeah, it's... Uh, not Neve Campbell. What's her face? Oh, Neve Campbell and uh, Denise Richards uh, was the other chick in it. Um, kind of sexy thriller bands. You've probably seen it. It, it, it did the rounds. Um, and that's probably his biggest movie. He did a film I, in 2001 called Speaking of Sex, which I oh, want right. to see. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> because sex is in the title, Baz. Yes. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's all, yes. <laughs> but yeah, he's like... Um, and I thought, I for what this guy worked with back then, I think he he created damn near like a, a masterclass, and it sets out a template which other directors have copied uh, when doing serial killer movies. Not a lot of them, uh, but you know he, he he put it out there, and it's one of the more effective ones. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it's difficult to see you love the movie because you know yeah. that. I think you can love the way the movie's executed and the techniques it's used but the subject matter is so bleak and it leaves you feeling so cold at the end of it it is very very difficult to assign a loving feeling towards the movie um, but I'm glad it lived up to like I say lofty pressure you put on this one coming in and at the beginning of your review when you started saying well I kind of thought it might be like the Poughkeepsie and a lot of respects it kind of is like Poughkeepsie is just the techniques done differently. It's done yeah. better, obviously, um, in terms of you know acting and all the rest. But without a movie like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, there isn't a movie like Poughkeepsie. Yeah, absolutely. I would a hundred percent agree with that. So I mean, you're you're you were in the right ballpark there. Um, so yeah. So yeah, it, it, we... it wasn't the film that I was expecting. Yeah, but that's not to say. It's not a good movie by any means. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Hmm. So this this now leaves me in the 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 weird position of trying to guess where I think you're going to land on a grade. Uh, thus far, uh, people under the stairs achieved the lofty heights of two point five stars. 
um, out of five. Uh, you swung slightly higher uh, when it came to Pottergeist, giving it a three. Um, let's see if Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer can't say that uh, scores higher what is your grade your Netflix grade for this movie Baz I think like I say it's hard because it's Netflix grades yep um, I'm, I'm going to go like a 3.5 right I did like the film and I think I have enough kind of reverence for what the guy managed to do with it to push it up. I, I, I can't bring myself to say that I love this movie. Yeah. That's fair. I think that is fair. Um, like I say, I think... Like, I can say that I love all, all the things about the movie. I can't say I love the movie. I think it's a hugely important movie. I, I completely understand its position and all the rest. Um, to me, I, I would probably give it four. Um, maybe pushing on a 4.5 but that's not to undermine its stature I mean it, it was a movie that was heavily contested um, on the 1986 Teapot's top 10 show, I mean it almost made it through um, and me and Court, Court was batting for this one I was batting for Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark Um like hard <laughs> like that was the movie she made before she made Point Break um, like I was batting hard for that movie uh, and neither one of us caved on that at all we ended up picking something completely different uh, but yeah but like at the time I was saying to court you're not wrong this movie is fucking phenomenal and needs to be discussed in the top of the year has to be done um, but Near Dark is a movie that I do love I have loving feelings towards that movie. You're on a Netflix grading scale, it would get a five. Uh, and that's that's where it comes down to. The movie does make me... I watched it again tonight. I finally managed to break out the 4K steelbook that I have, shoved it on, watched it, got to the end, and was like, yeah, that's a, a fucking cold movie. Cold-ass movie. Um, but I'm glad it lived up. I'm glad it lived up to the hype, and we got at least one of those movies in this run. Um because I do like getting the movies that kind of, where we get a bit more of a serious Baz. We get them every uh, Baz v Horror in the past, and now we've had one in Baz Oween. Uh, right, we're going to take our last break, Baz. When we come back, we're going to be closing out this son of a bitch, and we're going to be doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to Bazoween 2018, episode number three, looking at Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Baz, we are past the halfway mark, two movies left. This one, a powerful little bastard. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling alright, feel a little bit punchy after this one. I think this is the one that's kind of rocked me a little bit just because of the content. Yeah. Um... I'm not looking forward to the 15 hours of Salem's Lot that we've got coming <laughs> next week. 15 hours of Salem's Lot next week and then finish off with Suspiria. Which I believe is about seven and a half hours long. It's not. It's about an hour and 35 minutes, hour and 40. <laughs> the remake, though, is about... The, I, I read recently the remake is about two and a half hours long and I thought to myself, what in... Suspiria as a movie did any director think you know what we, we could probably chew on another hour of a story <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> oh my god 
But yeah, no, this, this is a good one. I really enjoyed this one. It's good to get these... It's good to go from a previous episode where we talk about polterfisting uh, into an episode which gets maybe less laughs because of the subject matter. Yeah, well, it's, uh, but when you start banging your sister, the humour just goes out of these reviews, do you know what I mean? <laughs> dissipates quite quickly. Ooh, uh, yeah. As we've been doing with, <laughs> with this entire run thus far, I've been cutting out all this way to find this bullshit. Um, and uh, keeping these outros nice, short, sharp and snappy. So the last word as always, Baz, is with yourself. Anything you want to say to the listeners before we say goodbye? Uh, nope, I just I hope you've all enjoyed this show as much as I have, folks. If you did take the time to watch Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, I hope you're not too skeeved out with yourselves. Um, and hopefully things will pick up a little bit with next week with Salem's Lot. Um, and I look forward to speaking to you all then. Nice, nice, nice. That leaves me nothing to say except wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours. Ladies and gents, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. (laughs)